It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 50 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, where we've just been watching the behind closed doors Merseyside derby. So we decided why not record straight after and, and get our, our feelings across, lads. It's safe to say it's one that we can say got away from us. Definitely. Should have won. That plain and simple, isn't it? Should have won. Yeah, it reminds me of kind of like, you know, other derbies we've had recently where, you know, when they played their kids in particular in the cup, you know, other ones where, you know, the semi-final when obviously they had, you know, some uh, basically their second string out and their third keeper and all that. It's one of those moments where you just, just put this to bed, lads. You know, Allardyce had one, didn't he, when it was nil-nil and then he finally had a go at him last five minutes, you know, and realised that we could have potentially had a go a lot earlier. It, you know, it's... You know, Liverpool had all the ball, granted, didn't do much with it. I think Carlo set us up tactically brilliantly, you know, 4-4-2, which he loves, made us hard to break down, didn't take Liverpool on at their own game, didn't try and open up the game. But arguably, you know, right at the end there, we've had two of the best chances. And Davis there, you know, I just said to you boys then off, off Alex, what a moment there for the lad. What a moment for him. You know, he scores that. And then everything's forgiven by, not by us, by a lot of people. Well, let's, well, let's, I mean, obviously that, that, that was late on, but let, let's just jump back a sec to when, when we heard about the team, because it was a team and there was, there was a couple of, of surprises when we saw the lineup. The, the most notable one was obviously Anthony Gordon getting his, his, uh, his start in the Merseyside derby. And, and, you know, looking at social media and discussing it between ourselves, a lot of excitement there for, for the kids to actually start the game. And, it's fair to say, probably early on, the, the game the game passed him by a little bit, and you know the, the lads going to be nervous. We, we haven't got obviously forty thousand fans there to, you know, on top of him, but he's going to be nervous. You know what what a what a time to make your make your derby bow. Um, I thought as as the game went on, he came into it a little bit more. 
he's going to need obviously more time, more games against lesser opposition than what we face today. Because you know Liverpool are very very good side in your face. He will get obviously get better and get more game time. But when that side came out, obviously a Wobie came in as well. There was no Guilfi Sigurdsson. People seem to be fairly satisfied with with the with the eleven, and it was quite clear that we were going four four two when we were defending and four three three when we were attacking, which we've seen quite often, Pete, in the past under under Carlo. Tell you what, I, I was quite impressed with um, with the defensively. I think at times we struggled to get out a bit, didn't we? But I think it was because of how we had to set up to contain um, to contain Liverpool. But for me, it was probably. I think his best Everton game as an all-round performance. Um, yeah, there was maybe a couple of spells where he arguably could have used the ball a bit more going forward. But I thought he really, really um, helped out Coleman on that right-hand side. I thought it was a, just a really good, solid team performance. And I think the promising thing for me was Carlo Ancelotti has shown that he's able to, I, I guess, get a team performance out of that squad. You know, that that for me was evidence of solid training sessions sort of in the bank to set us up in the right way to to try and um you know be competitive so i, I was quite pleased with that really no, I, I think that's a good point pete um i think it's one of those isn't it where carlo knows uh you know if he does really need, need to shut a game down he can trust those players albeit we have got quite a few people out injured you know to set up in a certain way to be difficult to beat and that's always a handy thing to have you know you know, the, like you said, Mike, there'll be plenty of teams between now and the end of this running that are going to be far worse than Liverpool. You know, where he can open up the game a little bit. Um, but I think he's gone with the right team. You know, he's Anthony Gordon from the little clips we've all seen of the. You know, which I think it's been great. By the way, we've all said that, that the little videos the club have released of training sessions, that sort of thing. You know, great moment for the lad. He, he's looked really sharp in those little sessions. Um, I mean, watch him in the game tonight. I mean, he, he looks about 15, doesn't he? He's got the frame of like a 15, 16-year-old lad as well, doesn't he? He's, he's tiny. But, um, you know, he showed little snippets. I agree, he probably struggled to get in the game a little bit. Uh, typical, like you said, of a 19-year-old, probably adrenaline's flying. Um, but he showed some little snippets. He's got that lovely little, you know, balance, hasn't he? Little change. I mean, he did, he did a little lovely little body swerve on the, on the halfway line and should have released it and then got tackled, didn't he? And then it led mm. to a sort of half a chance, but you can see he's got that little change of direction. He's got, Carlos obviously seen something in him. Um, but yeah, going back to Awobi, what you said, Pete, I thought Awobi defensively was very, very good. He obviously trusted him more than Gilfie in that position. Um, I thought he had, I thought we shut that right or their left, our right uh, side down pretty well. And I think Coleman rightly got man of the match as well. I thought Seamus Coleman was, Outstanding. He looked like he's in really good shape as well, fitness-wise, didn't he? I think. I think with with Seamus, obviously, we we discuss Coleman quite often um, on the podcast, and you know we've, we've seen him play really well. We've seen him be, be in, uh, inconsistent. But what one player who led from the front today was Seamus Coleman, like you say, you got got given man of the match. But you know, look at that moment in the second half where Mane, who's who's you know he's rapid. You know, you think he's going to get away from Coleman there. Coleman makes up a good probably three or four yards on him, gets back, tackles him in the box, great tackle, and that, that's exactly what you want to see from from your captain. And you know, it's it's something which over the years we've seen and we we've come to expect from from Seamus Coleman. But it shows obviously the work he's put in in the time off that we've had. You know, we've got back. You know, bear in mind we had no um, proper behind closed doors friendlies. We had a, an inter squad game. For about 60 minutes or so, half of them wearing, wearing shin pads, so it kind of being you know that that full pace. Um, 
And I think it was evidencing, obviously, what, what Carlo's done today as well, only making three subs when we could have made five. You know, he's he's thinking you've got a game on Wednesday. I don't want to obviously try and burn out. We've only got a small small squad to pick from. We've got, you know, some some big injuries at the moment as well. But I thought Coleman, absolutely exceptional, along with along with Mason Holgate. I thought Keane was Keane was solid. Um Luca Dean in, in, in the in the tackle was solid. A couple of ropey passes across the middle of the park at times was put us under a little bit of pressure. But I thought defensively, I thought we were solid. I just I think obviously Midfield got bypassed a bit, you know. Gomez and, and Davis at times were a little bit slow, but I think the way that we set up, I'd, I'd almost call it a, an Italian masterclass from from the manager. <laughs> I think that's probably a good way to put it. I think it was a tactically smart performance, if you're going to probably say that. I think you mentioned the back four there. Those types of games suit Keane down to the ground, and he loves to defend deep, loves to win headers. You know that's what they used to do week in, week out with Burnley, and it part of the bus. Be difficult to break down, no space in behind, um, and yeah, you know, he, he loves playing in those types of games. You know what I mean? And I thought he played well. I thought Holgate did well as well. Didn't really get beat in many one-on-one duels, but I just thought Coleman looked really sharp. I thought he looked like he, you know, you know, like he looked fit, didn't he? Do you know what I mean? Like you mm. said, there he's caught Marnie. At, you know, Marnie maybe if you, you know in a few games in when he's sharp and maybe gets away from him there because like you said, Mike, he is four or five yards behind him. But it's the way he just got back. He just wanted it, didn't he? Yeah. And then he obviously not only that, not only did he tackle him, he won a goal kick as well. But um, no, I thought I thought yeah to say go as far as say it was a masterclass. Probably not far off it because. I did Pickford have a save to make? I can't really remember. Did he have a really he, save to make? He made. He made one. Um, was it? Uh, oh, he made one from the free kick later on, didn't he? Which he tipped over the bar, and yeah. a couple he's, he's had to gather in. Yeah. Well, you know, but he, you know, Pickford got up to that all, all right, and he, he did the right thing. He, he wasn't at, at any point during the game when he really that tested when it came to, you know, having to defend shots. There was one block from Holgate in, in, late in the first half as well. We, we weren't really, let's be honest, we weren't really threatened. And, and this is against the side, and I know we've all had the same the same break. Liverpool had, had a couple of friendlies. Um, they're generally known as a as a fit side. We don't know why they're so fit. We leave other people to to draw their own conclusions for that. But you know, you're they dying. Are, you're are. dying for an IPO scandal to come out Lance Armstrong style here, right? I, I <laughs> you know, I I, I can't say anything because I'll, I'll probably be sued. But at the end of the day, you know, wake up your own mind on 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 that. Um, but there's no way they get into uh, some IPO IPO stuff in that water cabin, then. No options in there. I, I was saying, I was saying before the game, so a few lads I went to school with about this because at one point our school was getting renovated. And we had all these on the uh, on the yard with all these porter cabins. That one, one of them was our form room, and I'm pretty sure it was that one that we had in the car park <laughs> at the park end today. Very, very similar. All that was lacking was the bars on the window. Um, <laughs> but no, I think it's testaments. I think to probably the work that we've done. You know, the, the players have come back, and I thought at one point we'll look a leggy about 60, 65 minutes in. Liverpool were passing the ball around, you know, at will really. But we, we kept our shape, which was really important. You know, we held our shape, held our line. We, you know, at times we dropped deep, of course, we did. But then look, look what happened in, the, in those last 10 minutes when we had those chances. On the counter, we got away. You know, Richardson's still lively. Calvert Lewin's lively. Davis is up there following up. You know, obviously, unlucky hit the post via a deflection because I think it would have gone in otherwise. And, you know, it's a testament to the way it's been done. In, in the break by the players and also by the coaching staff and, and the manager. You know, w- whether it would have ended that way if we would have met Liverpool in March and we should have done, we, we don't know, it's all ibs and buts, but 
um, it was it's a good point at the end of the day to, to come away after three months off and fairly satisfied to, to get that point and then move on with the, with the remainder of the season. Yeah. Pete? On the topic of, uh, of the defence, what did you lads think of Luca Dean's yellow card? Do, do you mean, oh, do you mean oh, what, what do we think of Mike Dean as a whole? Mate. So we just we covered I, I the Mike down here <laughs> in my note. I told you boys in capital letters, Mike <laughs> Effing Dean. You know what I mean? With his with his George Clooney beard that he's got going on. You know what I mean? And I, I, honestly, you, the writing was on the wall a few minutes in, wasn't it? The writing was on the wall a few minutes in when he was just giving little stupid fouls, and then to compound it, that I mean. What a shocking decision that is. I mean, he's got the ball, and you can tell by the player's reaction, can you? You know, he knows he knows himself then he's cocked up because all the players jumped on him. All the players jumped on him. It was a perfectly timed tackle. Mane's overrun it. He's nicked the ball. Even the commentators, obviously, like even Nev and, and Caro were just like, oh, it's a shocker. And it's like I said to you boys there, I know VAR's been told not to be used for free kicks, things like that. But for me, if it leads to a goal-scoring opportunity, like it did, you know, a perfect free kick, 25 yards out, perfect, you know, for someone of the ability of, of, of Trent Alexander-Arnold there, they've got to review that. And not only do they review it and not give the free kick, they recently the yellow as well, because it was, he booked him as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've, you've got a one-day. You've got a one-day. Yeah, well, we haven't got a one because they wouldn't have done. But, you know, again, we, we go back to, to the use of VAR. Now, bear in mind, Mike Dean was about three or four yards from the actual incident. We could all see it, even sitting on, on our sofa, watching that, even with that glare from the uh, over-the-top balcony, the sun, the line of sun, I could still see that it was uh, it, he got the ball clearly. The players remonstrating, you know, he whipping the yellow card out. That's where, you know, for, for these you know blatant errors from referees, You've got to bring in the use of VAR there because at the end of the day, if he's got that wrong, which he has, someone should be in his ear and saying, listen, he's won the ball because we, we then, after he won the ball, we remember, we remember going away with the ball. Give him the ball, drop the ball on the floor and away we go again. Resend the yellow card. That's that because that's where the game is won or lost, isn't it? You know, you're giving them free kicks for that. They quite easily win the game and we come away with nothing at all. When we, when we really, you know, you could argue we, we deserve the points, if not more. And Mike Dean, as per usual, he has to be the centre of attention. We've seen this time and again with him. And when he was when he was named as the referee for this game, there was there was a lot of sort of uh, you know I'd say dissenting voices uh, from the Everton camp in regards to that. But what what are your thoughts, Pete, on on Mike Dean? You know, do, do you see him as as a top class referee, or is he is he merely just basically a cartoon character who bounces around the stands who supports Tammy Rovers? Well, I think firstly, he uh, he did a, a pretty good cat weasel impression, didn't he, with that facial hair? <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't know where that's come from. Um, I, I I think he's one of those referees that is too much of a personality. I think he's he's spoken about too much, and I, you know it's a cliche, isn't it? The hallmark of a good referee is one that doesn't get spoken about because the game's just allowed to be played. Um, he just he commands too much attention. You know, Sky did a thing, didn't they? Um, a while ago, something like he was going to dish out was it his his hundredth uh, red card, and uh, you know when was he going to do it? And uh, they had like this highlight reel, didn't they, of um, you know of, of a referee's best bits. I just think that's bizarre. I think it's, yeah. um, I think we sort of encourage the culture in a weird way, but 
just on the topic of that tackle, let me just say this, that tackle was so clean, you could advertise men's razors with it. <laughs> For my have you been, face. Have you, have you been sitting there, Pete, thinking, I want to get this line in some way? down. Yeah, he wants, he wants to get a sponsorship with Bic or something like that, not he? <laughs> men's razors, baby wipes, whatever you like. <laughs> it's right, honestly... But there was a bit, there, even in the first half, there was one where Richarlison gets at the front of the ball and he goes to spin Fabinho. Because Fabinho put in four tackles in the first 10 minutes, all of them badly timed, all yeah. of them. Four free, I think he had four or five free kicks against him. And then there was one where Richarlison gets in front of him from a clearance, goes to spin him, uses his body. Referee blows in, all right, you're thinking Richarlison stays down. I know he does that sometimes, but I think he's being clipped. And he gives it the other way. Yeah, yeah. He gives it the other way, even though Richarlison used his body and got in front of him. And then, the, you know, obviously, the, the, that free kick. And then there was a bit where, you know, after the um, Tom Davis chance, then we had the obviously chance from the corner. Then Richarlison has that one where he escapes down the left-hand side against Lover and puts him on his arse twice. And then obviously nearly scores. Obviously, probably should have squared it, but a good save by the keeper. And then to, there's a bit of momentum coming here. Then it drops on the halfway line. Coleman shrugs one guy out of the way, wins another tackle. And he blows. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like he, it's almost like he can sent. I mean, Coleman went mental and rightly so because he's, he's he's basically you know tackled two Liverpool players there. We're going to keep a bit of pressure on him here. We're creating a, you know a few chances, and then that instantly kills the momentum, doesn't it? He blows to that free kick for no reason, and then Coleman's obviously lost his head. And you think rightly so because if you're a player there, you just you just going nuts because. I'm not saying Liverpool were reeling, but they were start, you know, since Lovren came on, they they started to look a bit shaky at the back, didn't they? You know what I mean? Yeah, and and out out of all their centre halves, he he's the weakest by by a country mile. Bees and Lovren, you know, you've got you could argue probably the better two are Gomez and Van Dijk, and then obviously Matter gets a fair amount of games, but but Lovren is another one who's you know, and to be fair to Calvert Lewin, once Lovren came on, he was pulling on Lovren because he was getting a lot of luck in the air, he was winning a lot of those uh, those long balls and flick-ons, and, and that, that helped us in that final sort of 10 minutes to, to create those chances. Um, but going go back to Mike Dean, he's got, he's got a look of, you know that, those those dopes you rocked up outside Finch Farm with the uh, with the plastic trophies? <laughs> he looks like the fella with the beard. He's got, obviously, bald on soft, he's got that, that grey beard, so maybe maybe that was, maybe that was Mike, Mike Dean did uh, go outside Finch Farm, but, you know, he's always, he's always one of those referees who, like he's like he said, you know, when he's got his best bits on Sky, and you know they they advertising him like he's some kind of character. That's never a good thing for a referee. For any kind of this this game with this this kind of magnitude, you've got to have a referee who who fades into the background. Let the game flow. Like you say, he's pulling up Coleman for absolutely nothing. Richardson gets fouled and he gets given the foul against them. You see the Luca Dean incident, all against us. By the way, there was nothing that went against them in that particular sense, but. You know, as per usual, we like to be sense of attention, and that's that's where you know the, the the Premier League needs to be sorted out and not having these kind of morons in charge of in charge of games because, like I said, gives that free kick late on could go in and it changes the game for us. But I think that no, you know no. the, the good thing is you know it's hopefully going to prolong them not winning the league. And if if City win against Burnley, then the Liverpool can't win the league uh, on Wednesday, which is great because Sky were all over that game and. They're going to be there. It's, it's again they win the title and shut up. You know, you know, have a little bit of respect for. Who they got? Who they got after? Who they got after that game? Yeah. Man, Man City at the Etihad. Oh, class. <laughs> so love, let's you know. I'd love, to, I'd love City to beat him. 
Let's imagine they capitulate. Imagine they capitulate for me. That's not, not, nothing. Nothing will give will give me more satisfaction than to see that. But listen, we don't get we don't get that rubber the green do We would love to see that, but I just yeah. you know let's let's just make it go on for longer and longer because the longer it goes on that they don't win it, the harder it becomes and a little bit more nervy than than the, uh, the they will get. But let's, well, let's just come away. Just while you're on, what, what's what's your thoughts? I know you said my game bypass midfield. I think it did a little bit. I thought Gomez didn't look fit at all. I don't think Gomez would have started ordinarily. He's been injured all week. I think he's only had a couple of training sessions towards the end of the week. He, he didn't look sharp. Uh, I know he put Richarlison in through at the end. Um, obviously, he, he's robbed Wijnaldum there, turned him inside out a little bit. I thought Davis, you know, I thought Davis did all right. Um, yeah. A couple of Davis moments, shall we say, you know, like, you know, where he intercepts it, wins it, and then tries some mad flick in his own half or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, what are you doing, Tom? But um, yeah. overall, I thought Davis used the ball well. He passed it first time. You know, he got around the pitch. We were worried about that before, weren't we, about legs in midfield? And, uh, you know, look, they had all the ball. They did. You know, let's have it right. But I think, I thought Tom played pretty well. I thought, uh, didn't disgrace himself at all. You know, I thought, he, you know, and he could have made himself a hero, like I said. Yeah. But, I mean, um, I'll, I'll, I'll come. Davis, Davis and Gomez. Well, I mean, in terms of in terms of Andre, um, yeah, that, I, I totally agree. I think he looked he looked leggy from the start. Like you said, would he have started if we had you know Fabian Delph, Snyderland? You just don't know. Uh, possibly not. We we do. He, he does need someone around him with legs. That's that that's for sure. Because I mean, like like you say, later on he had that little. You know, he shrugged a couple of people off and did a couple of nice things. Did a couple uh, a few nice passes along the over the course of the game. But I saw someone said before, and it's a real valid point. Let let's just go back before before the lockdown situation. He hadn't long come back from having a, a broken um, or dislocated ankle. Um, had a long time out with that. He comes back in uh, for a few games, and you know didn't really get back up to to full match fitness. We then stop playing and go into lockdown. We then come back and do obviously say two or three weeks of full contact training. He's probably missed one of those weeks. So Andre Gomez is not fully fit. Make, make no mistake about it. And he's, he's missed a big portion of this season. Combined with lockdown, he's had a long, long time where he's not been playing consistent games week in, week out. People have got to, have got to remember that. Let's, you know, it's, it's difficult. That's the engine room of the team as well. And you look to the midfield to, to control games. And that's, that's not, not an excuse. That's the reality of, of where Andre Gomez is with his fitness. Um, I thought Tom Davis, yeah, Couple of moments, second half, where you, you want him to release that ball. He takes one touch too many, he loses it, and puts us in a bad position. But I thought, all in all, for, you know, full of energy, worked really hard, putting his foot in when he could. You saw him later on getting up and, and supporting the front two, and it's great to see. You know, if only he puts that ball in later on, as you you know, he becomes an instant hero, and it goes down in Everton folklore that we win the you know the behind closed doors Merseyside derby. Uh, hopefully the only one that we that we see all being well. Um, and Tom Davis, local lad, fan scores the winner. But you know, it's just it's one of those things. I'm happy that he had a game where he wasn't getting absolutely barracked from the park and dads um, for the whole the whole ninety minutes. Um, what, what what's your thoughts, Pete, in terms of how we did the midfield today? Because like we sort of said, it was a little bit of a struggle at times, wasn't it? I think similar to the point on Awobi, I think people have have got to remember, you know especially Gomez and Davies, they're up against a midfield three and a really defensive midfield three. You know, Henderson, Kite and Fabinho were there to stop us from putting anything together in that midfield two. 
every time the ball came inside, they were waiting for it. They hounded players. I think Lee said before, when Gordon tried to come inside off that left, he was just swarmed. So I think it was a really, really hard game, um, you know, for really for them to try and use the ball in. Um, and probably quite frustrating. And I thought they did really well, especially as the game went on. Uh, I thought Davies took his chance really well. He was really unlucky, wasn't he? I think the uh, the defender got a nick before it went onto the post. Um, yeah, it was all down to the nick, which took it away. If he doesn't touch that, it's in. It's probably yeah. inside the post or bottom corner, it's in. Um, what, 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 what about, uh, about Gomez, please? In terms of? In terms of... Yeah, well, in, in terms of, you know, you mentioned there you compared them to... Obviously, it will be in the Iwobi situation as well. And um, in terms of Gomez, do you think he gets a little bit of a, a rough ride from Evertonians? Now, we expect so much from him. We know how good technically Andre Gomez is. Um, like I said, he's been out for a long time. You, you said the same in regards to Iwobi as well. Do, do we expect too much too soon? You know, Is he ever going to get there? Is he, is he going to be the player that we expect that he should be? I think we do expect too much too soon. I think it's, I'm not saying Andre Gomez is his, his own worst enemy, but I think he shows glimpses of how good he is, doesn't he? And I think that's what, what, what sort of gets expectations up. Um, you know, the way he can find a pass that, you know, probably not many other midfielders could. I mean, he showed it today, didn't he? That The way he sort of sprayed the ball across the pitch a couple of times. Uh, the fact that he's got that in his locker and he's got the confidence to play like that late on in the game as well. Um, again, you know, uh, it was he went past to play through Calvert Lewin. He won the ball in midfield, didn't he? Was it on? Um, was it Wayne Allen? He was shrugged yeah. off and won the ball. Yeah, that's and then obviously plays the ball through. And that's what you want to see. We said that we about Gomez in the past. He's a big lad. He's strong, you know. And when he's when he's fully fit, he can hold people off, bring other players in. He's got that technical ability, you know. Obviously passing the ball as well, and and he is that good. And I just hope that. Now he stays fit for the remainder of, of this season. We, you know, we've got another another eight games to go now before before the season's over. If he can obviously be a part of every single game, it'll doom the world. They'll go going into the official break and the obviously the, the new preseason that he can just put a run of games together and start to feel back to the Andre Gomez that we were seeing when we first got him as well. I think that that's really important. But again, transfer window will need to address who comes in alongside and just, just seeing them. Um, Snyderland should be confirmed that he's gone over the next couple of days as well, um, which is a big, big lump of wages off the, the books. Uh, a little bit of money coming in as well. So that area has got to be addressed, hasn't it? Um, in terms of getting that support around Andre Gomez and get, getting some legs in that midfield. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. I, 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 I do agree with that. He had limited choices today, Carlo. You know, I mean, that they were basically the. The only fit players he had in midfield, really, didn't it? Wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? So, um, on reflection, yeah, probably had the better chances. But look, I hate to say it because it's a derby and we need to win one soon. But take the point. There's a lot, you know. It's quite interesting because obviously, you know, Newcastle had a good win. Um, you know, three nil surprising win that really wasn't it. Palace as well. So it's going to be you know, Sheffield United dropping a little bit now. They're coming into the pack. It's going to be interesting these last few games. We have to win at Norwich for me. We have to go there. Norwich looked off the pace, um, you know, in well, their game. And then we, yeah, we, have to, we have to win that. We have to win that game to have any chance of getting in the top seven for me. Well, let, let's go on to the Norwich game on, on Wednesday. Let, let's move forward because, you know, the, the games are coming thick and fast. Um, so we, we do travel to, 
to Carrowood on on Wednesday, and watching them against Southampton, against you know Southampton side who over the course of the season have struggled as well. They've got a little bit of quality on the side, a little bit of pace, but not Norwich. I thought the break might, might have done them a little bit of good. You know, they they were quite a way adrift at the bottom of the table. So you know, just start to pick up the you know the win or the win era, era there. Do them the world the good, and they could get themselves out of it. Watching them on uh, over the course of the weekend, uh, it was a Friday. I think they played, didn't they? They were they were not good at all, and they looked miles off the pace. You know, you got you got Pookie, who's got that little burst. I think he's clever with his movements, and he gets you know gets half a yard, gets his shot off, and Cantwell, who's had a, had a good season as well. Um, they're two probably main players, and they massively struggled there. So. In terms of us going going down there, we, we've got to go there, you know, with, with confidence from today's game. But looking to win the game, Pete. I think I've I've still got nightmares from uh, was it when we played them at home. I was on a course in London. I think I'd give my ticket to Lee, and <laughs> yeah, uh, on, on, I was on the drive home trying to get out of London, listening to the last <laughs> uh, five or ten minutes of the game. Um, yeah. And it it was a major nail in the coffin, wasn't it, in the sort of Marco Silva era. Um, at a time where I think we were all expecting us to um, to win the game. So, I, I, again, I think a little bit like the derby, the players, for me, have got a point to prove. I think when you've got a, a defeat like that on your record in the season, when you play the same team again, you, you know you need to show what you're made of. So, I think it's doubly important, really, um, getting that sort of first win of the post-lockdown period under the belt but also, you know, also keeping the rest of the season alive a little bit. You know, we do have a European place to play for, and I think it would be good to be as competitive as we can, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think you know it's not not out of reach in terms of getting European football. But like you say, Pete, it's, I think it's massively vital. Looking at the games we've got, we've still got a few tricky ones coming up. It would be like your Leicester, um, obviously Tottenham is another another difficult game um, traveling down there, but. The, the games are like against Norwich, obviously Bournemouth last game of the season, um, Sheffield United, Aston Villa. So those those kind of games are the ones that we've got to be picking up three points. If, if we come away, you know, we've got eight games left. There's 24 points to play for. If we come away with, say, 16, 17, that's not a bad return at all, is it? And it puts you, I think, right in the mix. But we'll only do that if we win games that we should we should be winning and there's no reason why we can't like you said Carlo used three subs today Moise Keane was on for about 25 seconds and touched the ball once Bernard was on for say three or four minutes a slightly earlier sub with Guilfi Sigurdsson coming on after after an hour for, for Anthony Gordon but those who haven't come on there uh, and those who did come on they should be quite fresh to maybe come into the side and start on Wednesday which gives us a different dimension again um, I mean, look, looking at Norwich against Southampton, you know they had they had five shots with only one on target. Southampton would come away with uh, with fifteen shots, with seven on target. You know, it, it was a massive, massive. For me, it was a one-sided game, and Southampton were absolutely ruthless. And there's no reason why we can't go down there and give them a good hiding. Um, like you said, Peter, thinking back to the Norwich game at Goodison Park, I remember I was sitting, I was in the hospitality, and. Due, due to go and see Moise Keane actually and that all basically got, got stopped because of the fact we got beat the tunnel was on lockdown and Marco Silva was, was basically hanging on by a, by a thread after that particular game but you, you've got to want to go there and, and right or wrongly Yeah mate 100% like I just said there before we started the section we've got to go there um, and win 
it's as simple and straightforward as that. You know, you might as well describe these games now with no crowds as neutral venues, don't they? Because that's basically kind of what it is. There's no real home advantage now. Um, and if, you know, that's probably detrimental to the likes of Norwich and people like that, yeah, you know, where they could have had the home crowd backing them, trying to win a few home games. We've got to go there and beat them. I mean, Campwell's impressed me this year for them. I can see him probably moving on if they get relegated. Pookie potentially as well. I really like that Buendia, the little Argentine. He's a very intelligent player. He's had a few good games this season. He'll definitely Aaron's, get picked off. Aaron's, Aaron's right, right back. back. Yeah, looks a real, real talent. So they have got talented players, but you know they've obviously you know been quite open. They were they were open from the first game of the season when they got battered by Liverpool, but they still could have scored five. And that's like that's how that's how mad it was that that first game. So you kind of admire the way they've set up. They've tried to they try to go at teams, but. Ultimately, they've just not had that quality. So, Calvert-Lewin and, and Richarlison were starved of possession today, but they showed in snippets that they can cause team pro- teams problems, can't they? Um, you know, Richarlison, for me, we haven't mentioned the chance he had today where he was he was clipped in over the top. Um, and you'd back him there, you know, he skied it, and he's kind of like, you know, he's, he's rushed it a little bit, really. But um, I think... Providing we give them enough service, I can see Sigurdsson coming in for a Wobi, possibly Bernard for for Gordon. I, I can't see many other changes after that because of the just because of the you know the amount of bodies we've got available, and then um, I think we'll have too much for him. Providing we, we we have enough, you know, give those two guys enough quality uh, service up front. We you just think we're a bit more adaptable now, wouldn't you, under Ancelotti? Although the the squad is a a bit thinner than maybe it was when we last played Norwich. If you remember, they changed their style of play, didn't they, for that game? Uh, rather than take the game to us, which they'd done pretty much in every other Premier League game, Sod's Law, they came to Goodison Park and sat back, didn't they? And let us have the ball, um, you know, and tried to be difficult to beat. And I, I just think if they try and do that again, I, I think we'll have uh, more of a plan B. Um, I think we'll have too much for them this time. I, th- I think as well, with, with Norwich, obviously, with, with where they are in the table now, and obviously they picked up, no points against um, Southampton. They're sitting on 21 points and they're, they're six points away from 17th place. They, they've got to come out and see that game for them as one of their winnable games because I, I think they've got a really, really tough run in it as anyway, including playing ourselves. But they will see the game against us as a winnable game. Um, so they, Norris can't afford, I don't think, to sit back and um, you know try and soak things up playing against us and expect to get something on the counter-attack. They've got to come and have a go. And if they do, you know, it showed there, you know, Liverpool are a very, very good side, but it showed the second half as the time wore on Liverpool pushing a lot of possession. But when they when they were coming forward, they, they left a few gaps at the back and we and we were trying to exploit them. So if Norwich do that, obviously a worse side of Liverpool, totally opposite ends of the table. We should be quite confident of going there and and winning the game, I think, quite comfortably. Um but let, let's let's dive in with, with our, our predictions then. Um, I think a couple of you. I think I think both you, the two of you. Did you, did you both say a draw at the um, for the last last round of picks? Yeah, I predictions. Did. I didn't say nil nil, but I said a score. I think I said one one. Yeah. I, I think I went with the nil nil, didn't I, lads? I, I don't go start this, Pete. I don't want to start rewinding tapes again because you're making things up. Did you actually say nil nil, Pete? I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah. Yeah, well done, mate. Well, I'll give you give you credit. That makes up for your lack of fantasy points, lad. Um, so, so, someone can write in on the air to a PO box. Listen back to the last last week's, last week's podcast and let us know on a postcard on the RPO box there. But 
I know I said one eleven because I was I was obviously and it should have been shouldn't it? So I can have half a point for that. Um, but what what are your thoughts on Norwich game? Then are we going to go there and get the win? Peace. I'll come to you first. Prediction. I'm going three nil. Three and eleven. Nice. Straight in there. And any any um, scorers, Pete? Yeah, I'll go for Calvert Lewin, Brace, and uh, and uh, Richarlison, of course. Of course, Lee. Yeah, I I equally think uh, we'll win. I think um, we'll probably be well. We will be a lot more open. We'll take the game to him more. So I think uh, there'll be a few goals in it. I can see three-one. I think Everton. I think it's vital though we do score first in these games. You know, what I mean, it's it's vital you score first, really, if you can in any game. You know, the stats show that if you score first, you've got a great chance of going on to win the game. But score first, their confidence is already a little bit shot, isn't it? You know what I mean? And then you'd like to think we'll have a bit too much for them. Um, the key as well, just make sure we try not to get any injuries. Of, you know, because obviously, you know, we only have to lose the likes of, say, a Calvert-Lewin or a Richarlison now. And then you start thinking where the goal's coming from, aren't you? Um, so I can see, that, I don't know what you boys think in terms of changes. I can see by the, by the subs he made today, I could probably see someone like Bernard coming in. And um, Richard, uh, not Richardson, sorry, uh, Sigurdsson coming in. Um, I, think, I think the I think the only uh, looking at that, you're not going to play around with the back four, pretty pretty solid. Uh, Sadibi, I I was watching obviously the same video from was it Thursday, and he, he didn't feature there. He was no mention on Friday from Carlo. He was injured, uh, but he must have a knock or something, you know, receiving treatment somewhere. So we might come back into the squad potentially, uh, because looking at the bench today, you know, we we named two keepers. Um, Kuko ahead, ahead of Nias. Well, that says it all. Two, two then. keepers ahead of Nias. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> trust in Stecklenberg to come on and bag the winner over Umar Nias sort of says it all, doesn't it, really? But um, yeah, I, I think there might be a couple of changes. I think I think Gilfie might come in. Um, Anthony Gordon off the bench. You know, give, give him little. You know, we'll start say every every other week, every other game. Give him a start. Get him off the bench for say twenty minutes, and he'll grow. He, he's the lad's going to be a quality player. Um, but it's important that we do if we can, you know, not make not make wholesale changes. Let's just utilise what we've got. Make the odd one here and there. Keep the back four as it is because it worked it worked really well today. Might give Bain to run out. He might do at some point. I, yeah. I was surprised at one point we didn't see him come on. On the, you know, him and Luca Dean sort of. We said this before as a left hand side well. too. You know, with if if it got sort of Liverpool were really pushing, we could have seen that. But Liverpool, to be fair, never really causes great great problems. But I'm sure we'll see later at some point over the course of the remaining eight games, but I'm, I'm going to dive in there for my prediction with a 2 and 11, and I think we'll go there, we'll win the game. Um, I think I think Richard Allison will bag, and, and Moise Keane will get more than 25 seconds and, and come on and he'll, he'll score as well with, with a little bit of luck, but we should be going there full of confidence. Um, be, before we do wrap up, one thing we haven't touched on, which I think it's important that we do, is what's everyone's initial initial thoughts? We've now seen pretty much all the games from from round one, if you like, of, of uh, Project Restart. And first game for Everton today, Goodison Park, Merseyside Derby, no fans. What are your thoughts in terms of how it's coming across? Um, with obviously, you can select if you want crowd noise or not. Um, obviously, there's no fans there. You can hear the players shouting, the, the managers shouting. What, what, what are your thoughts? The, the, it's a difficult situation, of course, but do you think it's being received fairly well? Um, or is it literally a case of, like some people say, 
football's nothing without the fans, Pete. I'll be really interested in the viewing figures. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know it's hard to make a direct comparison, isn't it? Because we're, we're still officially under some form of lockdown. Um, but I'd be really interested in how many people are tuning in to watch, you know, sort of live sport without, uh, I suppose, fans and fan engagement in the same way. I mean, it felt very different watching the derby today. I mean, you sent a message to the group, didn't you, earlier saying how we all feeling? And I almost had to check in a little bit and thought, gosh, you know, I'm not... <laughs> I, I think my pre-derby poo is much later than, um, <laughs> than it normally be. <laughs> Too much I, I, info that. Normally not about two or three before kickoff, but uh... <laughs> is, is that is that is that before or after one of Too the uh, one of the pies from the paddock, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never ne- never go for a poo at the game. Don't make that mistake. Yeah. I think we should do a whole set. I think we should do a whole section on that. Like... <laughs> <laughs> just, what time? Just... What time do you go before the game? Yeah. We're just uh, we're just going through the motions here, please. That's the next B side for us. Yeah. <laughs> through, which, through the which, motions. which pies? Which pies make you go to the toilet? Yeah, we. Do you me? Do you me? It's very different, isn't it? It's a very different it experience. Is. It takes a bit of getting with, used to with yeah. football at the moment, and it's it, it's an it's a necessary thing, isn't it? I don't think for a minute anybody is suggesting that this is the way forward or it's the same. Um, yeah, that that's a non-argument, is it? Isn't it? What are your thoughts, Lee? You know, besides your um, the comforts of your own toilet, what what are your initial <laughs> initial thoughts on the restart? <laughs> that's comedy, that Pete. I love that. I love that. There'll be plenty of people that will relate to that as well, mate. Um, oh, no, yeah. I think I think um, I've watched a few Bundesliga games. I know you boys have because um, um, they were the first first league back. It took a little bit of getting used to as well. They almost feel like like they've got a pre-season vibes then, don't they? Because um, they, they they said the stat today, there's only been a handful of goals in the first half. A lot of games are cagey. Obviously, the players don't look really sharp. You know, little passes are given away here and there. Fitness. It, it, feels, it feels very much like almost a pre-season type vibe to it, definitely. Um, I've been listening to it. I started listening to it without the sound, just because you wanted to hear what the players were saying, that sort of thing. And then I've just sort of started using the sound more often because it's almost like that white noise background. You know, if you kind of like, obviously we're very much engaged in the game today, but in other games where you're watching it, you might have one in the background. That sort of white noise, football chanting in the background, kind of. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's, it's it's just used to having that around, so that makes it feel more like a TV game, doesn't it? When you hear those sort of like sort of background chants and things like that. Uh, although I did like some of the booze today from the Everton one, on the Everton one that was timed. Every time Mike Dean gave someone there was booze and stuff like that, wasn't it? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It, it happened there yeah. with the, the, the Brighton and Arsenal game yesterday when they blew the full-time whistle and they all kicked off there with no pie and Ken Doozy and that. And, and the booze started then when all the players started fighting because this, this robot picks it up and decides to play whatever it wants to play. But <laughs> I, 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 do, I do think... You know, as, as as Peter said, and, and you, it's it's a real difficult situation. You don't want to be watching the game on on the telly and you know be, be like a Liverpool fan and watch it from the comfort of your own home and not go to the game. But I think, in terms of the situation, having having the crowd noise massively helps because as much as it's not like watching the game on telly or being at the game, you know, normally it does help. I, I found it difficult with no crowd noise. To be honest with you, I found it really hard to watch the game. 
with with no crowd noise. Um, I don't think that that comes through particularly well, but it's it's sort of making making the best of a bad bad situation. But I thought today, if, if any game needed people at the game and that that proper atmosphere, it was a Merseyside derby. I think I saw someone say this is probably the first game that we've actually missed the atmosphere as a whole. And I, and I, I tend to agree there when you've got local rivals playing, that's what they thrive off. And Calvert Lewin, after the game, alluded to, to the fact that you know you do at times you, you rely on the crowd and you you look to the crowd to give you that little bit of an extra push and, and that motivation. He said, yeah, we have to find it from within. He said, you know, we're professional footballers. We get paid for playing football. So that's what we do. But you still you still miss having the crowd there to, to spare you on. Um, you know, it's not going to be the same. Hopefully, when we come to, to next season, if it's, say, September, things are massively improved. Even if we can partially get fans in, great. You know, it's progression. Get people back going again. Uh, but it is about making the, the best of a bad situation. But, you know, let, let's, let's just... Was. Sorry, mate. I said it was comedy. Did you boys see the Arsenal fan TV yesterday? Uh, <laughs> you know, Have you just... seen it, Pete? Have you seen it? I, I was embarrassed watching it. Yeah. Oh, mate, you know, when Pepe scores and they all go nuts, they start doing like all this dancing. They start doing the salute and stuff like that Pepe does. And 20, 20 minutes later, you know, Mopai gets that goal. And, oh, and they're like, I'll see, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> and it's so funny, that. And it's just... It's hard not saying Rio Ferdinand this morning. See his tweet? No. Ferdinand just put morning Arsenal fans and then just put a coffee <laughs> like that. <laughs> just like rubbing it in completely. I, I, I thought I, they had every right to be aggrieved. I know you you and I spoke about it, Mike, saying Mopai. Obviously, Leno was even off his stretcher pointing his finger there. But yeah, he's not gone to do him, but I think he's gone to nudge him to knock him off balance because he was on the edge of his area. It's a bit unfortunate the lad's done his knee, but I can understand. If that was, you know, let's be honest, if that was Pickford and say someone like Firmino did that to him, you'd be going nuts, wouldn't you? You would be going nuts. You'd, you'd, I said to you before, didn't I? You know, you'd, you'd feel aggrieved, of course you would. Um, if it's my striker, if that's today in the derby, I want Calvert Lewin going to Allison because it, it, look, it might not be, be getting the ball or what have you, but you've got, to, you've got to, within the rules of the game, let them know that you're there and. You know, put him under a little bit of pressure and give him a little bit of a nudge because ninety-nine times out of hundred, Leno lands perfectly fine there. He doesn't doesn't you know um, get a, any kind of issue with his knee. Looks like obviously he's, he's done he's done um, tendons and things like that there, and ligaments and what have you, which is which is obviously a terrible worst case scenario has happened. But I mean, passions were running high, weren't they? With obviously the Arsenal players, hence what happened post game. The fact that he scored the winner also didn't help, but. It's one of those freak things, really, isn't it? If you if you go back, you know, without sort of going on about this, because we discovered this in quite a lot of detail at the time, if we go back to when Andre Gomez suffered his injury against Tottenham, you had Son going after him because of getting hit in the face. That's different to what Mo, uh, Mo yeah, that, was, that was premeditated. Wasn't exactly it? right. So yeah. so we can't put those two things in the same in the same uh, bracket. And look, look at the sympathy Son got. Whereas, you know, Mopai is being slagged off and you just think, well, hang on. You know, it's two different things and if anyone should be getting slagged off, it should be some. So it's it's football for me. And if, if I'm if I'm Mopai, I, I, I love the way what he said after the game. I love what he said because... <laughs> yeah, he didn't you know, care. No, he didn't, didn't care. care. And, he, and he said, you've got to show a little bit of humility because you're winning 1-0, Arsenal. You're chirping in everyone's ear. You're giving it all that. 
and then after the game you start kicking off you know you've got to learn to just take a step back and I think he was bang on I'd love all that that's that, lovely, that, that's... lovely goal lovely goal to win it as well exactly lovely right goal. so yeah and if it means Arsenal fan TV kick off and give us a good laugh then then great you know I, I enjoy watching that um, well, just, just before we finish then what I know we've talked about obviously you know um, the restart and things like that which team has impressed you the most Um. Pete, I want to come to you first so I can think. City, obviously. City, obviously, looked really good the other day, didn't they? Once they, get, once they got hold of it in midfield. I, I thought City were outstanding. I don't like to say it, but I thought I thought Manchester United played very well. Um, I did. I did. I is uh, a player. Um, I don't know how they're going to factor both him and Pogba into the same team, but, well, I mean, what a problem to have. I, I think they could be... Uh, potentially a real force next season along with Chelsea. I think it could be really interesting. I think Arsenal could potentially really drop out if they don't get the recruitment right. As, as good a, a coach as Arteta is, I think if they don't back him with players, um, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I agree. They've, yeah. Got, they've got to keep Aubameyang as well, haven't they? They've got to keep and, him. And I, I can't see him. I, I think he'll go. I really do. I think Aubameyang will go. Has he got a year left on his contract? He, yeah. won't, sign, he won't sign a new deal. He'll, he'll be gone. Um, but I, th- I think one side yet again who's come out of it well and a side who I've been impressed with now for the last couple of years and that's Wolves I know they yeah. weren't playing particularly great West Ham side but Wolves I think and this might sound strange to some people that's how I see Everton and how Everton should be playing the football I think Espirito Santo is, is a great is a great coach he's a great manager I like him um, yeah he, he, he he's bought really well he bought well in the championship to build for the Premier League a lot of those players are still there you know, it, I I think I think they they're great, and they deserve everything that, that they get, every success that they get. They play football the right way. You got some real quality there, and for me, they, they're ones who could be pushing. You know, top five, top six, no no they're problem. Very, they're very consistent, aren't they? And they're very yeah. good. And you know, Jimenez again is going to get over fifteen goals two seasons yeah. in a row. You know, that's impressive. You know, most people tend to say, you know, second season syndrome and all that. None of that for him. You know, what I mean, he's he's yeah. had a really good season again. Triori. They'll do well to keep hold of him because he's he's gone on to another level this season. He was awesome again the other day. Came off the bench. What a player to bring off the bench. But um, it's interesting what Nuno said, uh, actually. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw his comments. He was saying during lockdown, he was focusing on uh, the players' mental health as much as their physical health, you know, in terms of the fact that they were obviously, you know, surplus to requirements. They were in a lockdown situation like all of us, you know. Um, so he was he was really vocal about that. Um, and he was trying to get the players together as much as possible on calls and that sort of stuff. You know, so fair do to me. He's, he's a thinker, isn't he? I'd describe him as like a thinker as a manager. You know, what I mean, he's 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 not your stereotypical uh, manager, and he, he, he he's done a great job at Wolves. Yeah, I think you know we talk about um, from an Everton context, and obviously the mental health aspect. And Carlo said, didn't he, about when the players first went into lockdown and for quite quite a few weeks after. He said I didn't really speak to them a lot. I didn't basically start pecking their head with all sorts of tactical things. Yeah, they watched videos and he did this and he did that. He said, but there was no need for me. He said to to be constantly in their ear about things. They, they were assigned a coach anyway who would speak to them. He said, but it was important that they had that that little bit of a break mentally as well as physically because he knew obviously the 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 mental aspect of not being able to play football and and do the job and that's really important. And you know. Michael Keane's come out hasn't he and spoken quite openly about the struggles that he's had since he's he's come to Everton. Um, and it's you know we, we need to remember that, you know players as much as they earn quite you know quite a lot of money they're, they're human beings and and they go through 
struggles like like anybody else. So you know, Nuno was absolutely spot on there, and and obviously Carlo Carlo as well. But it's a side of the game that we're probably think about more and more now than than we ever have because a lot of people are going through mental issues, mental health issues, not being able to go about their lives normally. Um, but Wolves, Wolves definitely, definitely for me, definitely want to watch. I mean, the fact I probably off, they could quite easily break that. Make, make no mistake, you know, they've got a good, good squad there, and they could be the surprise package of the of the season. But yeah, before we go as well, I want to I want to mention uh, just very quickly, uh, and I'm sure you guys would agree with me. Massive plaudits for Marcus Rashford as well. Absolutely massive plaudits for the lad for what he's done there, changing government policy. Uh, on the back of you know free school meals things like that and and I've always kind of liked Rashford. I mean he's been swayed a lot by you know like the the, the antics of Lingard and Pogba and he's been dragged into that. But he's never really struck me as that type of like you know sort of egocentric extrovert type person. As he's quite a shy, humble lad who's obviously got a lot of talent and massive credit to him there. Massive credit to him. I know he's obviously rightly come out. Uh, with a lot of plaudits from all different angles uh, of the Prem and, and outside of football. But uh, he's used his profile to good effect there, hasn't he? Do, yeah. do, do you mean, do you, sorry, Pete, do you mean Marcus or Daniel Rashford? I'm not, which, which one are you on about, Lee? <laughs> I'm very funny. No, but, <laughs> what do you think, Pete? I try not to be uh, too political on the, on the podcast, but it's, yeah, it's hard not to sometimes, isn't it? I think that the yeah. Tories have... Shown how out of touch they are, I think, with the with the real world recently, and um, yeah, I think it's great that you know Rashford's sort of held on to his roots, and as as you say, he's used his platform to take what probably would have been um, you know a, a cause that I think uh, the public would have really struggled to get the same government response um, sort of in, into the public eye. But let let's let's get it right. I mean, you know, you go back to the start of the, the current pandemic and you, you, you see soft lad Matt, Matt Hancock um, saying Premier League footballers need to do their bit X, you know, and it's, this is just a nonsense. The, these are normal people who earn a lot of money and they earn a lot of money because of the position that they're in. It's almost, not, not forced upon them, but it's, it's the industry that they're in. And it's not really their fault that they gain the money that they earn. So that's not, they, for me, they shouldn't have been casing Premier League footballers to do this, that and the other. The fact that they have done and all the captains got together early on, Obviously, set set up um, making donations and things like that, and I know Everton have been very, very good as a club as well. Um, what what Marcus Rashford has done, like he said, then peace. He hasn't, you know, hasn't forgot his roots. Um, he he said he's quite open, and he said, you know, he would be using food banks and things like that when he was a kid, and you know, he, he knows exactly how it feels, and you know, none more so than than in the current situation. And what he has done. Never mind, he's a footballer as a human being. Is absolutely he's used his platform and the fame that he's got because of the job that for the greater good. And he deserves everything and every single applaud that he gets. And I hope when we're back on the ground, wherever he goes with Manchester United, he receives a great reception from everyone because this is this is more than football. Some of people's lives and and to to do what he's done and to really push for it, you know, for a lad so young. Exceptional, and I take me if it was wearing a hat, I would take it off because <laughs> I just think he's been he's been brilliant. But I think that well, I think that's the, a really what was that Lee? I was about to say, great note to finish on, mate. You were going to say that, weren't you? Yeah, you shut the word out of my mouth, and it is, isn't it? You know what? What, what a real positive thing to to end 
this week's show on. So thanks everyone for, for listening. Um, we'll be back next weekend, so we, we'll look back on the on the Norwich game and then look forward to our next game against Leicester City Park the following week. So we'll catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three Blues. Three Opinions. One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.